0: of a detour in our regular study through Romans because we're only in chapter 3 regularly but with last week being a baptismal service and I always like to do something that connects to the Christian life and discipleship which is really what baptism begins I decided to for us to look at Romans 12, 1 and 2 and then with this being a holiday week and being aware many people would be gone I thought we'll just Look at this passage together and look at verse 2 this week. I think these verses are foundational to the Christian walk and Christian life and Christian experience. And we need to understand them. And it's also going to help us um, as we go back then looking at Romans 3 uh, next time. We will know where Paul is headed and even how these things are going to begin to be applied into our lives more fully in Romans 12 through the end of the book of Romans, which is what Paul's intention is now, applying the gospel to our lives. So let's read these first two verses. We'll pray, and then we'll dive in to the particulars. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect let's just pause and ask God to open this up to us now Father as I have prayed privately many times in the last couple of weeks as I've looked at these passages these verses I've prayed that you would Help us as a people, give us understanding in them, give give us a spiritual comprehension and ability to apply these truths into our lives. And really, God, to treasure them and love them and delight in them. And that your spirit this morning would be creating in us longings that would say things to you like, yes, God, help me by your mercies to present my body as a living sacrifice or God creating us longings and desires that will result in praying to you, God help me not to be conformed to this world but to be transformed by the renewal of my mind so that I can discern what is your will for my everyday experience. And we know to do that even as we'll talk about God in a few minutes is your spirit's enlightening power within us. So I'm asking for that in special and unusual and powerful ways that I can't bring about. So I'm asking for you to do it in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. Remember now Romans 12 is an appeal an exhortation to his brothers and sisters in Christ. His brethren now. Those who have been brought into the family of God by grace by the mercies of God to now present their bodies a living sacrifice. By the mercies of God, everything, says Paul, that I've talked about in the first 11 chapters, mercy upon mercy upon mercy poured out to you in Christ. Now, based on that, Respond with the only reasonable way of responding, which is an entire life of worship, of presenting your entire being, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's where he began. But he continues in that same stream of thought based now on everything I've taught, says Paul in Romans 1 through 11 now. These truths in verse 2, and there are two commands in verse 2, so its structure is really easy to break up. There are two commands given, and then there is a way in which you're to obey the command, and then there's a result that will happen. If you do this, this will be the result. So the first command is do not be conformed to this world. Second command is in contrast to that, but be transformed, okay, which is a command. And then the way you're going to do that, be transformed, is by the renewal of your mind. And if you do that, the result will be that by testing, you may discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. Okay, so that's how it's structured. Two commands, a way we obey it, and then the result of our obedience to it. So let's look at the first command. We'll just break these up individually. First command, do not be conformed to this world. I think it is critical now that we park right here on this command and understand just exactly what Paul is getting at here what is it to be conformed to the world, and why would that be such a bad thing? Okay? Do not be conformed to the world. The word conformed means to model after, to form according to a pattern or mold. So we might put it something like this Paul's saying, Do not model yourself after, or allow yourself to be modeled after, the world. Don't fit the mold of the world. We know that expression, right? We don't want to fit the mold of the world as Christian people, which cues us in, by the way, on a very important theme in the New Testament that we have come across many, many times, is that Christian people are to be different than everyone else. When you become a Christian, you are going to be still in the world, but as Jesus prayed, you're not to be of the world. There's always going to be a distinction between us and the world. The Bible is always reminding us of that. But do not be conformed to the world. Don't don't be formed to its patterns. Don't be fit into its mold. And it's implying that This could happen, Christian. You could, even as a Christian. Remember, he's talking to his brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. He's assuming the ones he's writing to are saved people. And he's saying to them, don't let this happen. There's a potential there, Christian, that you could be molded into the world's form. There's a danger there, so don't let it happen. Or it almost could have this nuance. You are being formed, conformed to the world, so stop letting that happen. Either you aren't and you don't want that to happen, or it could be happening, so stop it. Either way, it could be implied by this particular command and the way Paul words this command to the Romans and I guess it's left up to you to determine which part of that you fit because it's possible for all of us friends to slip into bad patterns of life and very quickly start fitting the mold of the world and even to have that happen as a Christian person Don't let the world conform you to its pattern. And don't be conformed to the world's pattern. You know, we have an old-fashioned word that maybe we don't use it enough and we need to revive it that I think describes what it would be for a Christian to be molded into the pattern of the world. It is the word worldly. You have become a worldly Christian if you allow this to happen. It's an old-fashioned word. For some of us, it's maybe the word our parents used when they were warning us about certain things. Don't do that. That's worldly. They would actually attach that particular descriptive word to certain things that you would do and say, don't do that. That's worldly. And perhaps in younger generations of Christians, they grow up and they kind of balk at that sentiment and they begin asking this question, which is a bad question. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you right out out of the chute, this is a bad question to ask. Well, what's wrong with that? It's not being asked, what's wrong with that? It's, well, what's wrong with that anyway? You see the difference? That reveals a heart that wants more of the world, and so the way it discerns the will of God in the world is to look at things and see how much it can go after, you see, how much it can do, and they want an explanation. What's wrong with that? Oh, there's nothing wrong with it. Show me a verse that tells me that's wrong, you see. That's a bad way to approach things, and it's certainly not the way that God, by testing wants us to discern His will in our lives. So you remember where we're going here in verse 12. You're getting to the point where you're able to analyze things in your life, like what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, or who you're going to spend time with or who you're not going to spend time with or how you're going to organize your day or how you're going to spend your time, things that the Bible doesn't really give you a verse that says do this at this time or don't do that at that time, doesn't like map out your entire daily existence for you, that's going to take discernment. You're actually going to have to choose between one or more things and say this is the good and acceptable and perfect will of my God, so I'm going to walk in that, you see. That's the goal of where we're headed. Now, worldly people aren't even thinking. I mean, God's will for the moments of their life, I mean, it doesn't even pop into their mind. That's an ungodly person. You know what godliness is? Godliness is the idea that we are, that God is in the mind, in the heart, at all the time. All of our life is lived in the presence of God, and we know it, and therefore we want to live out His will in every area of our lives. That's godliness. The ungodly person is a person that that doesn't even come into play. Maybe the only time that some people, their pattern becomes so worldly, they they slip into the only time they're thinking about God is maybe right now. Have you ever gotten through a day and you thought, man, I've not even prayed today? not even talk to God at all not a, not, even a, not a time set apart from God but like I've been thinking about God that was a worldly day who was at the back of the Bible God didn't he say this Aaron always quotes this to us he says uh, have a good day but also a godly day because what good is a good day if it's not also a godly day right something to that effect what good is a day if it's not also a godly day right don't be conformed to this world. This is, again, another command, just like the one before. Remember last week, we talked about the idea of presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, and when do we do that? Every day, all the time, throughout the day. And this is another example of a command that is, when do we do this? Do we just do this one time? I'm not gonna be conformed to the world ever again. Okay, that was done now. Now I can move on. No, it's every day. Because, you see, friends, the world Has a draw and a pull and an appeal, and we have sinful flesh the way you were before God saved you. Your sinful flesh is still there and it loves it. It wants to go back into its pattern. So your life becomes a life of battle against your own flesh that loves the pattern of the world and wants to fit back into its mold. And you have to remember all day long, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You've got to fight it as literally as what I just did. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be worldly. Well, what is wrong with the world? Why is this warning so important for us? And furthermore, what parts of the world are we not to conform to? Because if we're honest, we have to conform to some parts of the world, right? I mean, think about the fact that we have our services at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and not 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. Because we have conformed to the certain pattern of the world that says we sleep at night and we're up during the day. And furthermore, we have it at 10 in the morning, not 6 in the morning, We could. It's not against the law to have it at 6 in the morning. But we'd have a smaller attendance than we do on the 4th of July service if we had it at 6 in the morning. We conform in certain patterns, and there's nothing wrong with that. Even our clothing and hair and different things, we don't dress like it was 1850, you know? We dress like it's 2022. I mean, all those kinds of things. So what is it he's talking about here? And I think an important way of understanding this idea of the word world is to understand that its main meaning is age in this context. Think about this. Does it sound different if I say, do not be conformed to this age? An age is a segment of time. It's seen it as a particular unit of history. The, we use the expression, the age in which we live. And we all kind of know what we're talking about that. We're not talking about the physical world. We're talking about ways of thinking, ways of speaking, ways of communicating, ways of relating. We're talking about different types of things that we do or don't do or like or don't like. We're talking about patterns of thought, those kinds of things that really kind of describe an age in which we live. We are not to be conformed to this age because this is an age, friends, God describes as in opposition to him and his will. So, the general current of the age in which we live, and it's been the same since the fall of Adam and Eve, the general current and direction of the age of this world is opposed to God in His will. It's Romans 1 2 and 3. As a matter of fact, if Paul is going to describe the age in which we live, he would use what well, we will find in Galatians 1, verses 3 and 4. And he says, Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, catch this, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. If he wanted to use one word to just sum up the age. He uses the word evil. Now think about that. Evil. You know, it doesn't get much badder than evil. The age, the desires, the passions, the way of thinking are evil. They're just directly opposed to that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God, it's in direct opposition. So don't be conformed to this age. It's completely opposed. And listen to me, when you're making decisions in your life of what you're going to do or not do or what you're going to watch or not watch or listen to or not listen to or places you're going to go or not go, or the people you're going to associate with and not associate with. And I'm talking about all these decisions, how you're going to raise your children and school your children, how you're going to do all of these life things we got to do. You have to understand that the age in which you live is evil. It's not just indifferent to God or kind of middle of the road. It's directly opposed to him. key to understanding what Paul is saying when he says do not be conformed to this age it is evil because and this is important to know 2nd Corinthians 4 verses 3 and 4 he says it is uh, even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing in their case listen now the God of this world or age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. There is a God over this age, lowercase g, very important, an authority, a ruler over this world and age, and he is not playing defense. He's playing offense, isn't he? He's blinding the minds and hearts of unbelievers so that they can't see the glory of the gospel. You know, when you came to faith in Christ, maybe you were very excited about that. And you're like, I'm excited about, look at this, look at Jesus, how glorious this is. And maybe you wanted to share that with friends and relatives and they couldn't see it. They don't see the same glory in the gospel of Jesus that you see, and maybe at first because you weren't, you didn't know much of the Bible yet. Then you didn't understand how it all worked. You just couldn't understand. You kind of sat back and thought, "How are they not seeing? How? What wonderfully good news this is!" Well, friends, it's because the God of this age has their eyes blinded. They can't see it. This whole world, first John. Chapter 5, verse 19, he says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So when your kids say, what's wrong with that? Say, everything is wrong with that. It's under the power of the evil one whose goal is to keep you, my brother, dear child from seeing the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ Ephesians 6 verse 12 for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness ...against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You see the authority that under God's sovereignty now... ...He has allowed them to have. And they are ruling and blinding people to the gospel. And they are controlling and directing the minds and hearts of unbelievers... This is what we mean by spiritual warfare because all of a sudden now, when you're brought into Christianity and you see this so clearly, you recognize, though know, you can't see them with your eyes. You can certainly see the results of their work. Can you not? Can we not even look around in our own culture, in our own generation and see this is true? Look at what they're doing In the minds and hearts of unbelievers, look at how the prince of the power of the air is in many ways directing and influencing and blinding people. And notice again, Galatians 1 verses 3 and 4, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins for this purpose, to deliver us from the present evil age. Did you catch that when we looked at it last time? one of the results of the cross of Jesus Christ that we will get to in Romans 3, chapter, verses 21 and beyond, the cross work of Christ, one of the things he was doing there at Calvary was delivering us, rescuing us out of this present evil age so that as we live now in this present evil age, we're not conformed to it any longer. This is why we no longer live in it. This is what you've been rescued out of now. You've been delivered through the cross of Christ from the present evil age. We are to be now a kingdom people in a non-kingdom world. A people of light in the realm of darkness. A people of good in a world dominated by the evil one. We are, as Paul will go on to say in Romans 12, do not be overcome with evil. But friends, overcome evil with the good, you see. This is where we have been delivered out of it. And that's why Peter will say in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy, you see. You've been saved out of that now, Christian. So Paul says, I'm based on the mercies of God, don't be conformed to this world any longer. That's who you were. Now you have been rescued out of it. Now, second command, but be transformed. And then we'll get to by the renewing of your mind. But just catch the command, be transformed. Very important word, again, to understand. It means to change inwardly in fundamental character or condition where all true Christianity starts, by the way. So anyway, if we're changed inwardly, where's that at? In the heart, right? All true Christianity... The transformation, any change, anything begins internally in the heart and then works its way out. That's what true Christianity is. It never starts on the outside working its way in. It starts with this inner transformation of your very being by the Holy Spirit and then that works its way out. That's exactly what this word is communicating. As a matter of fact, I'll give you the Greek word because we will understand it even fuller if you hear it. Metamorpho. And we get our English word or our scientific word, our biological word, metamorphosis, from that. And if I remember biology appropriately, when we talk about things like caterpillars into butterflies, we're talking about metamorphosis. Transformation inward, outward, and it blooms out into this beautiful thing, right? From a creepy crawly to a beautiful, fluttering, gentle butterfly. That's metamorphosis. And that, my friends, is the idea of the word. And that is what we are being commanded to do. Notice it's a command. Be transformed. That's interesting because it's a passive command, which means you're not doing the transforming. The transforming is being done to you and for you. That's interesting, isn't it? You're being commanded in the Bible to do something you can't do. It has to be done for you. You, friends, cannot change your inner man. You can't change your heart. Only God can do that. This is what uh, what the Bible or scripture, uh, stu- uh, scripture studies would refer to as a divine passive. In other words... You're passive, in a sense, because it is God who's doing this for you. There's another agent of the work of transformation, but you are to be transformed, similar to when Paul will tell his people, be filled with the Spirit. Well, I can't fill myself with the Holy Spirit of God. God must do that, and Paul would say, exactly. Now, be filled with the Spirit. Or be transformed. Well, I can't transform myself. Exactly. But be transformed. And interestingly, too, it's a continual command, which means be being transformed. It's the same word that is used in Matthew 17. Let me draw this out because I think this is fascinating. Follow this trail here Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transformed before them. It's the same word, transfigured here, transformed. So when you're thinking about the concept of transformation, I want you to think of Jesus on that mountain and They're seeing him literally right before their very eyes being transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. It was a glorious transformation. The glory of God revealed through Christ to them. Getting a glimpse, by the way, of what we will all see When he returns again, when he returns, Jesus said, in his glory, we're going to see it. And we're going to stutter around like Peter did and not even know what to say. We're going to see his glory. And the beautiful thing is, too, in 1 John, we're told, and when we see him, you're going to be like him. See, what Paul has already explained in Romans chapter 8 is that we are right now in this fallen world waiting for, listen, the revealing of the sons of God in glory. That's what you're waiting for. So how does that connect us then? Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2 connect us and Romans chapter 12, verse 2 connect us then into this, how are we to be being transformed and how is this happening and how do I wrap my mind around that? 2 Corinthians 3:18 I think gives us the key to fully seeing it what it is to be transformed. Paul says and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord think on the pages of scripture because now your your eyes have been opened you can see Jesus and his glory and the glory of the gospel in your bible now you see it. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord listen here's our word, are being transformed right now into the same image, whose image? The glory of the Lord, from one degree of glory to another. That's what God is doing in you, Christian. It's a glorifying transformation Into the image of the Lord of glory, Jesus himself. And he says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when Paul says, be transformed, he's saying, the Spirit is transforming you. Be allowing this to happen. Don't do things that would interfere with this, like being conformed to the world. Grieving the Spirit, quenching the Spirit's work of transforming in you. You're cooperating with this, if you want to use that word. You're not working against the Spirit's working in you. Be being transformed. This is coming from the Spirit, and He's transforming you into the image of Jesus. This is what Christians are talking about. What's it mean to be transformed? It means to be transformed into Christ's likeness now, from one degree of glory to the next, until one day when we're with Him and you're fully glorified. But now you're in this life of transformation and the Spirit's making us more like Jesus, you see. This is a glorifying transformation brought about by the Spirit, continued by the Spirit, and yet we are commanded to cooperate in this transformation process so that we begin to look more and more like Jesus Christ right now, you see. That's powerful Matter of fact, Paul said in Romans chapter eight already, verse 29, he said, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So don't be conformed to this world. Man, the spirit, walk by the spirit. Keep in step with the spirit. Follow the things of the spirit because the spirit is transforming you into the image of Jesus Christ himself. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, is there a practical way that we're to do this? How does this transforming process happen? And yes, there is. He answers it. Romans 12, verse 2. Be transformed. How do we do that? Look at the next phrase. By the renewal of your mind. So by the renewal of your mind. Now, your mind comes into play here. So we're going to get into something practical now by which we can do things in order to cooperate with this process so that we can be transformed from one degree of glory into the next, into the image of Christ himself, okay? By the renewal of your minds. Now, I only have a couple of minutes to explain this, so let me do it by having you turn back to Romans chapter 8. I think I'm just going to make it very tangible for us here. So keep in mind as you're turning Romans 8, Romans 8 is where Paul really introduces the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and his role. And he starts talking about the connection between the spirit and the mind. So your mind and the Holy Spirit and how we're going to have our minds renewed so that we can be transformed in the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8 in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they do something. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. Okay? So let's just stop with that. A a person conformed to this age or who you were before, Paul's talking here about flesh, he's talking about that sinful part of you, before you were saved, that was all of you. How do people in the world live in conformity to the pattern of this age? I mean, they just set... Their minds on the things of the flesh the things of this world the things of this life the things of this age and they just get their minds on those things and they're just formed according to the pattern Ephesians 2 they're following after the course of this age because their minds are darkened their minds are alienated from God and their minds are just thinking always about worldly things that's where they live Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, which is us, set their minds on, here it is, the things of the Spirit. So here you have the mind, and you have the Spirit, and what are we to do to be transformed? Set your Renewal of your minds. How do we do that? We're going to set our minds now on the things of the Spirit because we live according to the Spirit. We're spiritual people now. We're not worldly people. We're spiritual people, meaning we're indwelt by the Spirit. Everything has changed for us now. And we're not going to live according to the patterns of the world. We're going to live now according to the patterns of God and the way we're going to renew our minds for the patterns of God is to set our minds on the things of the Spirit Belong to him. Where are we going to set our minds? You want to be renewed? Does everybody in here want to be renewed? In your minds, where are we going to set our minds? We're going to set it on the things of the spirit. And then the spirit's going to transform us into the image of Christ. Well, what are the things of the spirit? Ephesians 6, verses 16 to 17 I have a slide for it in all circumstances during the spiritual warfare now against the world and being conformed in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit well what is that Paul? glad you asked which is the word of God friends this is the thi- these are the things of the spirit and in a very practical way have been given to the people of God. And Paul says, don't be patterned after the world's thinking. You take your minds now, and you set them on the things of the Spirit. You live according to the things of the Spirit, where this is clearly revealed to you. The Word of God, the Hrema of God in this instance, the very words and phrases themselves. So I think what Paul envisions is a people with minds filled with spiritual things from the Word so that every day when we're tempted to be conformed to the world, we've got it so locked in and our minds are always on it that we say, nope, do not be conformed to the world. But be transformed now by the renewal of your mind so that by testing you may discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not going to give me this time, devil. I know you're trying. Not going to give me this time, flesh, because I'm by the Spirit going to put the death the deeds of the body. I'm going to take the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to fight against it because God is wanting to transform me right now. You see how you actually have to preach sermons to yourself and have like points and alliteration and examples and illustrations. You've got to proclaim these things to yourself. We need to understand the age in which we live no different essentially in essentialness than the age in which Paul lived that is dangerous and evil and governed by the evil one and we are a people who are not of the evil one. We are from God, right? Are we like John says? We know we are from God. Now, the whole world, we also know, lies in the power of the evil one, but that's not us. We are a spiritual people. And so we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. How much time are you in the Word? And I'm not just talking anymore about reading the Bible. I always promote, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. But what I'm finding is as important, if not more, is that you take sections of your Bible, the things of the Spirit, and you get them in your mind and you think about them all day. You meditate on it. You say, well, I got a job. Well, as you're in your job, you're working on some things. Maybe just take a second and you sit back and you think, do not be conformed to this world. God, help me not to be conformed to this world. I feel the pull to be conformed to this world. I feel the pull to set my mind on the things of the flesh. Help me now even just in these few minutes set my mind on the things of the spirit. Help me now to walk according to the spirit. You know what I think God will use that in that renewal and the spirit will take it and he'll do whatever he does in his powerful work in our hearts and minds and he'll be transforming you just that one more degree of glory into the image of Jesus Christ. This is how we walk according to Romans 12 too. This is the only way you're going to be able to discern the tricky areas of life when you don't know what to do. And God's word doesn't speak directly to it. Well, a person armed with God's word in their heart, those, the principles are there, the commands are there, the thought patterns of God are there, and God then directs you according to his will. You'll be able to discern. You will be like the psalmist, Psalm 1. You'll be this blessed man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the instruction of the Lord. And on his instruction, he meditates day and night. Did you notice that's a blessed man or woman? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to feel the pleasure of God in your life? Then don't be conformed to this world. Quit walking in the counsel of the wicked. Quit standing in the way of sinners and quit sitting in the seat of scoffers. But get your mind on God's Word, meditate on it day and night, this one, this blessed one, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season its leaf does not wither in all that he does he prospers, this one will be being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ from one degree of glory to the next. This will be the one who one day, when Christ returns, will hear the trumpet sound and literally, in the blink of an eye, in a millisecond, will be transformed completely and conformed completely to the image of Jesus Christ. When you see him, you will be like him, says John. But then he said, But everyone who has this hope, Purifies himself now as he is pure. That's the idea. Brothers and sisters, let me just close with this. I beseech you now, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your rational worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be being transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father, we want to, through prayer now, seal this into our hearts and minds and ask that your spirit even right now would do what only he can do in all of us as we feel the pull of the flesh and the devil in our lives may your spirit who is infinitely more powerful than the devil the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world And so we pray that his work would override our flesh and the work of the God of this age so that we could be a transformed people for your glory. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, amen.